Welcome to our new podcast where we're going to discuss various murders that we like to call the Twilight Terrors. Brought to you by your hosts, Julia and Lakin. Starting off with a relevant story, the recent tragedy that took place at the University of Idaho where four students were brutally murdered. So, as many of you know, um, we are referring to the murder of Kaylee Gonzalez, Maddie Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin. And just as a disclaimer, we would like to say that we are going off of the facts that have been given to us and proven that have come out. We have read the affidavit, and early on we did watch videos, we have um, reviewed many police reports, and watched many news articles and read many news articles about this, we wanted to wait to avoid any theories and jump into theories and speculation that um, have come out about this case. So last week, news broke that police have officially arrested a suspect. His name is Brian Koberger, and he's 28. Yes, he was a PhD student studying criminology. That's the craziest thing to me. I completely agree. It's insane. I think that part of it all... I mean, it shocks me, but then it... It doesn't. It doesn't at the same time. But then also, like, you know, as... And we'll get into this later, but, like, as more facts came out, he was so sloppy. Very sloppy, which is shocking. Once again, if you're a PhD student, mm-hmm. you are... You I know, mean, criminal justice and yes. criminology. Like, yeah. as a criminal justice major, you should not be leaving the sheath of the murder weapon, the knife, at the scene. No. And... I mean, in with the tracking and with your phone, you know that we can do all of this. Right. Like, you know, we can, we have so many resources. And I think the sloppiness is what shocked me the most when you are studying how these other people do it and what not to do. Yeah. And what could have helped you get away with it. I agree. And there's so much information that has come out. It's going to be so hard to cover it all. But I think one of the craziest things that I've seen that's been confirmed is, um, you know, his dad went out to Washington, to Pullman, to drive him home from college, which as a 28-year-old, do you really need your dad to come and get you to drive home? I don't know. I don't know their family dynamic. I don't know anything really about his life, so I'm, I'm not going to say that that's not a common thing for him. Um, but the fact that the FBI had people pull yes. him over twice and then the body cam footage came out just so they could check, like, to see for anything on his hands, like... I feel like everyone was deceived. Everyone thought, oh, the case is going to go cold. The police yes, don't yes. know. Police don't have anything. When in reality, behind the scenes, they were so on it. And the fact that they had the FBI doing that well, is shocking to me. I completely agree. The thing is, as we know, in all reports, police always withhold information from the mm-hmm. public in all cases. And we knew there was quite a bit that was being withheld from mm-hmm. us. But it was so interesting to me from the start. The FBI got brought in so early yeah. that I think... I mean, you don't hear of like quadruple homicides very often. And, no. you know, being college students like and being on a campus, it brings a lot of attention. And, Absolutely. And you know, like speaking of that attention, I think that's part of the reason why they kept everything so hidden and didn't reveal anything from the public. It was such a high profile case... And there that if so they would have released theories. information, it would have been all over news. Like, this guy wouldn't have been as sloppy as he was with everything else. Like, with the car, no. with everything else. Like, it took so long for them to expose that video of the car. This is what we're looking for. Because he probably would have just ditched the car and taken off. Absolutely. I mean, it was all over every new, every social media, yeah. every news outlet, everywhere. Pe- because the country, I mean, everyone yes. in the country was watching this worldwide. Yes. Like, it's, it's yeah. 
It was crazy. That I think, I mean, it was definitely so imperative for the police and the FBI and everyone in this investigation to withhold so much information to be able to get yeah. him. And I think this case, it, it's hard to talk about because, like, it just, I, like, I've continually prayed for the families. I I can't even imagine the pain no. that they're going through and the the pain that those four suffered and not only them but the two roommates that were in the house the pete i mean the trauma that they have gone through being in that yeah. house i can't even imagine i can't imagine what it's like for these families and i pray that everyone here can find comfort and peace in that as we go to trial and i think we definitely will be talking more about the trial mm -hmm. we can see them get some justice I, yeah they definitely those families deserve justice and I know that, you know, Kaylee's parents have spoken out a lot and done interviews. Um, and it's it's just so hard to see them struggling because, like I said earlier, no family deserves that. And it's it's just, it is. It's just hard to talk about. Like, we're both college students. Yes, so and seeing people yeah. our age and, you know, like, there's reports that have come out that Kaylee is supposedly the targeted one. Um, she had the most brutal injuries. And then she reported having that stalker. Yes. And... Speaking on the stalker point of things, his phone, when the affidavit was released, yes, it was tracked 12 to 13 yes. times at that yes. house before the murder. Which, so it, and it's not confirmed, nothing that I'm saying now is confirmed, but like it does make you wonder if he was the stalker, if he was the stalker, mm -hmm. or if he even kind of used the stalker as a scapegoat to then, yeah, kind of almost like double stock like yeah. you know not make himself as known yeah but i mean once again that's all our own theories there but it's just something to think about that yeah. he was tracked there so many times prior yeah. to the murders so i think to start let's just dive into brian um and then we can kind of like trace back I, yeah. the, the scene so yes being a student, it's only, I think the maps that I saw was 14 minutes from his either apartment or the college to their exact house. Yes. A 14-minute drive is nothing. Like, people Absolutely heard, oh, he's nothing. from Washington. No, Moscow is on the border. Yes, and that's what the drive there and back is. They are so close to each other mm -hmm. that he could be there, I mean, multiple times a day yeah. going back and forth and nothing would happen in between classes and, you know, like yeah. anything. It's... So that that was the first thing where I'm like, wow, the suspect is like that close. That's yes, huge. That, like that's a yes. major, major thing that he was in that close proximity to them. Um, and then another thing that came out about him that I found so interesting. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I saw this on TikTok. So, you know, but there was an interview on I I want to say it was done on Fox, maybe. Yeah. Um, that he his one professor in his one of his criminology classes wrote the autobiography for the infamous serial killer BTK. Um, that's a huge connection because we know that his professor has contact yes. with this serial, serial killer. killer. Um, I mean, it's it's just flabbergasting to me. I mean, I'm like I I really don't even know what to say because it, it there's it's crazy. I mean, it, it is. I mean, like when that came out, I was in total and like utter shock, shock. because Same. she if he would have asked to like be put in connection with BTK, she probably had access to get him to BTK. Oh, absolutely. And like 
in- from what from what I understand, anyone capable of killing four innocent college students, I would not put it past them to like have the desire to talk to a serial killer oh, like absolutely. that. No, I don't put it past um him whatsoever. Or so, any serial killer in general. They learn off of each other. Yes. And that's one thing that I'm looking forward to see in the trial. Like, I'm really wondering if they'll bring that in, if they look into any connection there. And I, I kind of hope they bring that up in the trial because I would love to, like, get more insight oh, on that. I definitely would love it. And so, yeah, that was that was another thing. Um, I'm trying to think of what else on him. I mean, I think the major, he, or we could talk him being in pennsylvania yeah that was a huge thing when i saw that someone was arrested in pennsylvania i so we live in ohio (laughs) shout out (laughs) ohio (laughs) um we i saw the map that he was driving on it was right above us yes (laughs) like the fact that he literally drove right through here i was driving to and from work and i'm like just because this case has been on my mind as it has been on probably a lot of other people's. Everyone wants to know, like, what's going to happen? Are they going to find him? And when that news broke about we're looking for a white Hyundai Elantra, I was like, oh, man, like, could you imagine he drives out of state and he's in Ohio? Like, imagine if I see his car. And then I find out he did drive through Ohio and he lives in Pennsylvania. Like, it's just so crazy to me. But they did – so they did find DNA evidence on the – sheath to the knife yes and that was that was linked to was it him or his dad i thought it was him okay i i thought i saw something where like evidence like there was like a genealogical um linking to like his they said his family Family. he and his family so like i'm it makes you wonder like is it his dad's knife you know and that is a very real possibility I, I there's just so much up in the air like until the trial comes out and until they post anything about that which it's it's going to be a while the judge just signed an order there is to be nothing spoken during this trial like no nothing is going to come out there's going to be no news reports like until the trial is over and a verdict is decided absolutely and once again this is always an a hard um it's always hard when there's such a public case like this yes. than when it goes to trial because everyone knows what's everyone going on. Everyone wants in on it. Everyone wants yeah. in. So it's very hard. And people people in this generation are so nosy. Yes. Like everyone wants to know what's going yes. on at this very second. Like give us the information. Like I'm sorry. Of course I want to know. But like yeah. we don't deserve to hear the information not, as it comes out. No. no one. We are not directly affected by this case like the families are. The only people that should be getting directly informed as things come out are the families of the victims and anyone involved in the trial, the defense. and Yes. You know, the, it, Absol- it, absolutely. Yeah. And clearly we are very interested and we are right. very saddened and by this case. Mm-hmm. And we obviously want to know but we're talking about what we do know and what has been confirmed yes. we're not on our own trying to come up with own theories because that i feel like that's also disrespectful to, to the parents and like and to the families that's the other thing i saw a video come out where two girls that go to the university of idaho um they were posting a lot of us especially college kids know about yik yak the app 
And a lot of the students were hurt by the fact that everyone was just accusing all of these people. Like the big theory when it first came out was that video footage of the food truck, yes. the guy in the hoodie. Of course he looks suspicious. When yes. I first saw that we, video, I, I was like, oh my gosh, like he, they need to question that guy. Yes. But and then when the, when the audio came out with it right, too, I obviously right. was suspicious about it. So like, of course you can have a natural suspicion, but do you need to go around posting it and then... Finding out this guy's name and then throwing this person's name out publicly and slandering it. Like, until you know it's confirmed that, like, this is their suspect, their prime suspect, and there's been an arrest. Yeah. You should not be throwing out someone's name. And the poor two roommates. Absolutely. Like, that's what gets me the most. They had to see that and hear that and be in on the crime scene. Imagine, like, the survivor's guilt. I'm Because... I, I don't I even know what imagine. I would do. I, and I then to have imagine. your name being drug in the mud. All the time when people don't know. And people from all across, you know, the nation right, right. that have no idea. No, they're not there. Like, we don't know these people. No. You know, we don't know like, what's unless going you're on yeah. in that situation. Right. You, know? you weren't there. You didn't see it. No. Like, you can't, you can't just throw people's names out there. Like, so to Bethany and Dylan, I am so sorry for the people that just thought, oh, well, they didn't make the call until noon. Imagine the shock that they're in. Absolutely. We cannot judge anyone's trauma, how they respond. And I'm going to be so real right now. Like, it is Christmas break, or we've been on break. Our semesters have changed. I have slept in till like, 11 or noon. Right. All the time. And once again, we don't know and that's the what thing, was like, going on. What are, like, what would you think? That, who, okay, you hear, help me. Okay, that could be for anything. Like, Getting, that could be for anything. You yeah. see someone in your house, if you heard a door shut, you're probably scared. You're not going to come out. If you don't hear anything, like, me personally, I would do anything I can to just lock my door, go to bed, and not do anything and just try and sleep it off. Especially, yes. like, if you're yes. up at 4 in the morning, you're Absol- not going to sleep and be up at 8 a.m. No. So why would they go and think to check, oh, my roommates were murdered? Like, no one would think that. No one, absolutely no one would think that at all. Like, if my roommate's door is shut... Like, I'm not just going into Right, you don't room. barge into no. their room. Yeah. No. no. And sometimes we both don't get out till I don't even know what time. So right. that would not occur to me at all. Yeah. So there, I I hope that they are finding peace as well. And yeah. and we are continually, like, they are in our thoughts and in mm-hmm. our prayers mm-hmm. as they're going through this Yeah. publicly. Yep. So I guess looking now, um, kind of back to the crime scene, Yes. The first day this case broke, um, the first thing I saw on an on a news source was the picture of the outside of the house and the blood dripping. <gasps> the blood from the dripping outside. down. That I literally had chills like down my spine <laughs> seeing that picture and the police saying this is one of the most yes. gruesome scenes we've ever witnessed. Um and when I heard when I saw that and heard that and then with like the stabbing it it was horrific. It was horrific. It was sickening. Mm-hmm. I was disgusted by My it. My first thought was like, who who um, in their right mind would ever be capable of doing something like this? Absolutely. And you know, like with the multiple stabbings, like that mm-hmm. is pure. It's overkill. Yes. I mean, it truly is just like. It's very, it's sadistic. Yes. It's, it's evil. It is. It's it pure is. evil. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Oh. So. Later on, like, as more details came out, um, we saw more videos of, like, the layout of the house yes. and the inside. So, it is a very odd house 
layout. Like I've never I, really seen a house like that. So like you have like no. the main floor, which is technically like the second level. Yes. And then it goes down and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's where the other two roommates were. Yes. They were in that lower yes, level. That they were. So it's like essentially like you're kind of in like the basement. So like I, my room is in the basement in my house. I don't hear every single thing that's going on, nor am I going to, if I think someone's in my house, am I going to walk upstairs and be like, who are you? Why are you in my house? We're young college girls. Right. Absolutely. I would not be doing that. Right. You know, I, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, the, there was two rooms on that main second floor and then there was that upper level. Yes. So it, it's just, it's a bizarre layout and mm -hmm. I was very curious because Obviously, when it first broke, like, and two roommates surviving and four mm-hmm. people killed, you are very curious, like, how do you not hear? How do you not? Right. And so once it came out, it definitely confirmed, like, I mean, it clarified a lot, I think, because they were, like, in the quote-unquote basement right. of the house. Right. Like, no, I would probably, you don't know what's going on from yeah. there. Yeah. No, for sure. And so I also... Um, had seen that Maddie and Kaylee were actually sleeping in the same room yes. that night. Yes. So like, and then Xana had door dashed. Her door dashed order was getting there at 4 a.m. This is all speculation. But like some people say, if she wouldn't have had that door dashed order, like she, from from the injuries and the autopsies, like she was not the one being targeted. So had she not been up at the door, waiting on her order when the murders took place in that 4 to 4 20 a.m time frame she may not have been killed which is and i i believe this is my personal opinion but i believe that kaylee was targeted and i think that she was being stalked no i completely agree i think that is and he was going for whatever reason why he felt the need to murder this innocent girl i will never know nor do i even i mean of course like everyone wants closure and like we we want to know like why would you do it? But like, yeah, I don't even want to know why someone would even have in their head what could possibly be going on to no. want to do that to someone. But I, I think that Kaylee was the target, and I think he was going to do anything in his way to get to, to her. Get, I agree, and and unfortunately, and unf- that there was her are, roommates. Yes, and we have seen this before, where in targeted murders or in situations if someone they don't plan on doing certain Mm -hmm. things but if you are in the way they're you know and i watched on netflix there's a series i am a stalker don't know if anyone's seen it i love watching my crime shows i've watched it (laughs) but in one of the first episodes of like the newer uh, i don't know if there's more seasons i can't remember what season it is or if there's one but stalkers are very serious like people think oh you're they're just looking at you no they start out you know kind of watching you but they Watch your every move. They know your yes. routine. They know what you're yes. doing. They know your family. They know your pets. Like they know everything in your life and they slowly start to get closer and closer and closer. And so in this episode I was watching, um, this guy was like, I was so, I she wasn't listening to me. She wasn't engaging with me, even though she probably didn't even know who her stalker yeah. was. He just thought, oh, she's not paying attention to me when she didn't even know who he was. And he went to go kill her. There was two people in the bed and he killed the wrong person. Yeah. So like, you you just don't know what's going through those no, people's heads. No, you have no idea. And, and especially like, if you're about to, I'm, I, I don't know. This is just 
what I'm what's yeah. going through my head yeah. right now. But like when you're going to kill someone, you obviously have some form of adrenaline. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think, you know, they completely, I think their brain just goes into a certain mode. Yeah. And the rest of the world kind of does not exist at that point. Yeah. And I do think it is adrenaline. And I think that is what could have happened where all four of them then were killed. Yeah. I think so too. Um, I mean, obviously they said they were looking, you know, like in the beginning of this one, new details started to get released. Not a bunch, but like we started getting little things here and there that like we're looking for like a Rambo style knife. Yeah. I found that so odd. Like a Rambo, like that was literally their warning. Rambo style knife. I don't know. It's just an odd... I mean, you hear of stabbings. I'm not saying you don't hear of stabbings, but like... No, it was very... Not everyone says that type of knife. No, and it was a... This is a knife that's used in the military, right? Or or in the... Um, I'm trying to... Or was it not? It was something like a... I think it was like a K.A. bar style combat knife, I think is what they said. Yes. So yeah, that could definitely be like a military type of knife. But like, just to recap, so in the beginning of everything, um, the information that we were told was, you know, three female, one male was killed. Um, It was in the house. Only some of them were murdered in their beds. I don't even know if they gave a specific number. Obviously, we know Maddie and Kaylee were. Yes. But based off of the fact that Xana was getting DoorDash, DoorDash, I'm wondering if she was not, and Ethan probably came out to check on her. Is my guess. Yes. Not factual, but that's... But that would make sense. Yeah. Um, the bodies were found around noon Sunday. We talked about that. Obviously, yeah. like, everyone wonders why the cops were called so late. It could be a multitude of reasons. Absolutely. And, like, that's again, until our... the trial comes out, like, you aren't going to hear their statements. No. I do know that either one or both of the surviving roommates will be taking the stand. Yes. So that will be very the, interesting the trial, to hear later yeah. on. Um, let's see. The thing that kind of baffled me was initially police said that there was no threat to the public. And, and then they, they kind of backtracked. Yes. And they were like, well, of course there was a murder. Of course there should be yes. some there's yes. some type of threat to the community. And then they never really talked about it again. They no. just kind of very, got very private very quickly very with the quickly. investigation. Because I think in the beginning it was so... They, I mean, have these police had to deal with such a crazy, you know, a quadruple right. murder? Right. And, and they it's were a small town, out, too. It's, exactly. So they were coming and out I think really quickly. I think that's also why they brought in the state police and the FBI, FBI so, quickly so quickly. Because, because they, it's a small department. Yes. And they have never had to deal with yeah. this. Or yeah. if they have, it's been a, a very, while. A while. Mm-hmm. Um, there was multiple stab wounds per victim, but there was typically only one lethal, lethal, which is interesting. I find that again, that's like, as we said earlier, like it's just straight up overkill. Yes. Like there's no reason, like if you know, and that's, that's the other thing where the criminology thing comes into play. If he knew exactly where to do where that to one do stab that to one kill, kill. Yes. And then he just decided to just stab them. Because. For what? For what? All of them had a lethal stab. Yes. And then Xana had defensive wounds. So that's my thing. Like, she could have been up. Her yeah. room was 
on the main second floor yes. level, correct? Yes. So if she was at that front door, of course you're going to fight back some random guys coming in your house. Absolutely. And like it, it makes sense. As more things come out, like it just yes. starts to like all come Where together. If you're sleeping in your bed, you, you really aren't as your brain, your, your body's like, you know, more tired. You're not in a fighting yeah. zone. And th- what what's so heartbreaking, the autopsy and the, the coroner kind of said like she her body showed that like she fought the killer until the very end yes which is it's devastating devastating. it It truly is devastating um and then as we know like xana and ethan were in a relationship yes and so like ethan was not one of the roommates in the house no he had just stayed over a lot and he was close with the other girls like everyone knew him they've been dating for a while but like just to clarify he was not one of the people living in the house no um let's see I'm trying to think. Um, the sliding door was on the lower level of the back house. And so I think that's one of the only questions that kind of still remains was how did he how, get in the house? And correct me if I'm wrong here, but they also had like a pin to get inside the house that many mm-hmm. people knew. Mm-hmm. And then the sliding door, we don't know if it was locked or unlocked. Because again, there was no forced entry. There was no forced entry. And also, if you are a stalker... Right. You probably have watched them do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you know, like, maybe she did unlock the door due to DoorDash, Xana, or something. You know what? That's... Okay, so that's where I... My mind went in my, like, opinion. And just, like... Just, like, I'm just thinking through this as as we go, you know? Yeah. Um, Like, she very well could have thought it was her door dasher and unlocked it yeah like you could have easily thought how many other people are are gonna be at your house at at 4 a.m right like and no one would have the intent of oh i'm gonna let in a murderer into my house like no one would think anyone would be there to do that you know so that could have been just an innocent mistake yeah like how and how could she know she you can't right you could not um they police came out and said that the crime or it was a crime of passion it was a crime of you know just straight up hatred Hatred. and like very aggressive um we touched on that for sure yeah like a very gruesome crime scene um and maddie also had a boyfriend but he was not there which is i mean i don't think he went to no university so it makes sense yeah wasn't there yeah um but all four of them had the autopsy. I'm just kind of like reading through my facts right now just to see what I had written down. And I wrote all of these down like when the case first yes, came out. Yes, this so is these, early These on. might seem like a little old, but like this is what we were told in the beginning. So I'm just trying to go back to the beginning. Yes. Before everything work. else kind of got like, these were the original things that police were releasing. Um, They didn't know and they kind of still don't know if he was the sole killer or if there was multiple Although it's probable he was the only killer. Yeah. You you almost can't rule it out. I also agree. And I mean, I do want to know more information on his relationship with his dad. Yes. I am curious Especially about that. if it turns out to be his dad's knife. Yes. I, I would like to know more. Yeah. And I'm sure in the trial we may mm-hmm. be able, we'll receive some more information about that. I would agree. Um, Initially, they didn't released that there was any footprints but as we know that's now been released they did find footprints and that was analyzed yes um and then the timeline that we (laughs) we'd actually built um in the beginning of this 
was that um, Saturday at 8.57 p.m., Kaylee had posted an Instagram picture with her friends. And then at 1.51 a.m., Kaylee and Maddie were seen on surveillance at that food truck. Um, initially, the police thought that the crimes were between 3 and 4 a.m., but now they've kind of shifted that to 4 to 5, yes. 4 to 4.30. Yes. Um, which is also shocking to me. The fact that his phone records there from 4 to 4.20 in the morning, you're telling me he killed... Four, four people, people in, 20 in 20 minutes? minutes? That's like five minutes a person. That's insane. That's crazy. Which means it was 100% again, premeditated. Absolutely. And once again, <clears throat> shows that he had to have known where that lethal yes. kill is. Yes. That lethal stab. And that's where that... Criminology. Comes that, that knowledge. right into play. Yes. For sure. Um. Let's see. Oh, so Ethan and Zana were at that frat party. Yes. So the four of them split up. Ethan and Zana were at the frat house, which... Also, was extremely close to their house. I mean, you can literally, like, picture show it in the background. Yes. And then Kaylee and Maddie went out to multiple... I don't know if it was just a bar or bars. I mean... Yeah, but they went out for the night. Yeah. Um, So, the events between 151 to the murders, the girls were seen at that food truck. And then, you know, that guy did follow them as they approached the truck. He didn't order food. He didn't show up with anyone. And when he noticed the camera, he kind of like took his hat off and put his yes. head up, which it any was... any outside person watching that would question it. Yeah. As a... So like I understand where like the speculations could come into play, but like keep and it to yourself. Absolutely. And police did because of those things. They saw it, but they then rolled him out because yes. they have further, they have more information yes. than what we do. So, I mean, it was suspicious, but at the end of the day, that doesn't make someone. And I have here um, that police confirmed that the roommates were not the one who called police, which I almost kind of forgot about. Yes. Um, So it was the friend. They called the friend mm -hmm. to come over. Mm -hmm. And then the friend, the 911 call was from inside of the house, but it wasn't from the roommates. That's right. Yeah. It's, It's just all very... It's all very interesting. I it, it's a crazy case. I mean, there's just so many. It's and and that's the thing because you're not just investigating one person. It's four. It's four. And so you have to figure out the motive and you know everything. And that that's the other thing we haven't heard is is truly the motive. No, what was the motive here? I mean, that's that's the main piece to all of this. It's going to pull so many things together when they make that connection and make that tie. Absolutely. Which I'm sure and they probably already know and already have. Yes, but in court, I I can't wait to hear it or just learn more about it. And and we'll make, we'll make another. Yeah, we'll like, make a part two once the trial starts. Once we get that verdict and the information starts coming out, um... We'll definitely do another episode just to kind of recap everything and pull everything together. So it, it kind of all makes None of it makes sense. No, no, none of it makes, but and it will never make together. sense to yeah. the rest of us. Yeah. But yeah, being able to pull pieces together mm-hmm. and understand the case a little bit more mm-hmm. than what we're getting right now. So I think now um, I kind of want to go through the affidavit and see what was in that yes. so we can kind of read through piece by piece and go through like more current information because we've done the background yes and we've yeah, kind of I went think we through should. that because yeah. we all know the background of it if if you're listening to this like <laughs> you probably are 
listening to it because you're interested in the case and you've been keeping up with it, as many people have. Yes. So I think let's, let's go through the new information now and just yeah, see. take it piece by piece. Yeah. So in order to do this, we are going to read direct quotes from the affidavit. So Lincoln, you can start us off. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so the information is provided by Brett Payne. He is a duly appointed and qualified acting police officer within the county of Lataw, Idaho. Officer Smith and I entered the King Road residence through the bottom floor door on the north side of the building. Officer Smith and I then walked upstairs to the second floor. Officer Smith directed me down the hallway to the west bedroom on the second floor, which I later learned through Xana's driver's license and other personal belongings found in the room was Xana Kernodles. As I approached the room, I could see a body later identified Xana Kernodles' body laying on the floor. Kernodal was deceased with wounds which appeared to have been caused by an edged weapon. Also in the room was a male later identified as Ethan Chapin. Chapin was also deceased with wounds later determined by an autopsy report. I then followed Officer Smith upstairs to the third floor of the residence. The third floor consisted of two bedrooms and one bathroom. The bedroom on the west side of the floor was later determined to be Kaylee Gonzalez. I later learned that the review of, from the review of an officer that there was a dog in the room when Moscow police officers initially responded. Officer Smith and I pointed out a small bathroom on the east side of the floor. This bathroom shares the wall which Madison Mogan's bedroom, which was situated on the southeast corner of the third floor. As I entered this bedroom, I could see two fem females in a single bed in the room. Both Gonzalves and Mogan were deceased with visible stab wounds. I also later noticed what appeared to be a tan leather knife sheath laying on the bed next to Mogan's right side when viewed from the front door. The sheath was later processed and had a KA bar, USMC, and the United States Marine Corps Eagle Globe and Anchor Insignia stamped on the outside of it. The Idaho State Lab located a single source of male DNA suspect profile left on the bottom snap of the knife sheath. Two of the interviews included Bethany and Dylan. Both Bethany and Dylan were inside the King Road residence at the time of the homicides and were roommates to the victims. On the evening of November 12, 2022, Chapin and Kernodal were seen by Bethany at the Sigma Chi House at the University of Idaho campus at approximately 9 p.m. on November 12 to 1.45 a.m. on November 13. Bethany also estimated that at approximately 1.45 a.m., Chapin and Kernodal returned to the King Road residence. Bethany also stated that Chapin did not live in the King Road residence but was a guest of Kernodal. Gonzalez and Mogan were at a local bar, the Corner Club in Moscow. Gonzalez and Mogan can be seen on video footage provided by the Corner Club between 10 p.m. on November 12th and 1.30 a.m. on November 13th. Gonzalez and Mogan can be seen at a local food vendor called the Grub Truck in downtown Moscow. The group truck live streams videos from their food truck on the streaming platform Twitch. A private party reported that he provided a ride to Gonzalez and Mogan approximately 1.56 a.m. from downtown Moscow in front of the grub truck to the King Road residence. Dylan and Bethany both made statements during interviews that indicated the occupants of the King Road residence were home by 2 a.m. and asleep or at least in the rooms by approximately 4 a.m. This is with the exception of Kernodal, who received a DoorDash order at the residence around approximately 4 o'clock a.m. Dylan describes the figure as a 5'10 or taller male, not very muscular, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. The male walked past Dylan as she stood in a frozen, shocked face. The male walked towards the backsliding door. Dylan then locked herself in her room after seeing the male. Dylan said she did not recognize the male, and this leads investigators to believe that the murderer had left the scene. 
The combination of Dylan's statement to law enforcement, reviews of forensic downloads to records from Bethany and Dylan's phones, and videos of suspect as described below leads investigators to believe the homicides occurred between 4 a.m. and 4.25 a.m. During the processing of the crime scene, investigators found a latent shoe print. This was located during the second processing of the crime scene by the ISP forensics team by first using presumptive blood test and then amino black, a protein stain that detects the presence of cellular material. The detective to print showed a diamond shaped pattern similar to the pattern of a Vans type shoe just outside the door of Dylan's bedroom located on the second floor. And this is consistent with Dylan's statement regarding the suspect's path of travel. As part of the investigation, an extensive search commonly referred to in law enforcement as a video canvas was conducted in the area of King, the King Road residence. This video canvas was to obtain any footage from the early morning hours of November 13, 2022 in the area of the King Road residence and surrounding neighborhoods in an effort to locate the suspect or the suspect's vehicle traveling to or leaving the King Road residence. They identified a white 2011 to 2016 Hyundai Elantra. On November 25, 2022, Moscow Police Department asked area law enforcement agencies to be on the lookout for a white Hyundai Elantra in the area. On November 29, 2022, at approximately 12.28 a.m., Washington State University police officer found a white Hyundai Elantra registered at WVU. As a result of that, w WSU located a 2015 white Elantra with the Pennsylvania license plate, and the vehicle was known to be registered to Brian Koberger. Based on information provided on the WSU website, website, Koberger is currently a PhD student in criminology at Washington State University. Pursuant to records provided by a member of the interview panel for Pullman Police Department, we learned that Koberger's past education included undergraduate degrees in psychology and cloud-based forensics. These records also showed Koberger wrote an essay when he applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department in the fall of 2022. Koberger wrote, in his essay that he had an interest in assisting rural town forensic agencies on how to better collect and analyze technological data in public safety operations. Koberger also posted a Reddit survey which can be found by an open search internet search. The survey asked for participants to provide information as to understanding how emotions and psychological traits influence decision making when committing a crime. A query of the 8458 phone in these returns did not show the 8458 phone utilizing cellular tower resources in close proximity to the King residence between 3 o'clock a.m. and 5 o'clock a.m. Based on my training experience and conversations with law enforcement officers that specialize in the utilization of cellular telephone records as part of investigations, individuals can either leave their phone, cell phones at a different location before committing a crime or turn their cellular telephones off prior to going to a location to commit a crime. This is done by subjects in an effort to avoid alerting law enforcement that a cellular device associated with them was used in the particular area where a crime is committed. I also know that on numerous occasions, subjects will surveillance an area where they intend to commit a crime prior to the date of the crime. Depending on the circumstances, this could be done a few days before or several months prior to the commission of a crime. Based on my initial training experience and the facts of the investigation thus far, I believe that Koberger, the user of the 8458 phone, was likely the driver of the white Elantra that is observed departing Pullman, Washington, and that is the vehicle of the suspect. Additionally, the route of the travel of the 8458 phone during the early morning hours of November 13, 2022, and the lack of the 8458 phone reporting to AT&T between 2.47 a.m. and 
4.48 a.m. is consistent with Koberger's attempting to conceal his location during the quadruple homicide that occurred at the King Road residence. On December 27, 2022, Pennsylvania agents recovered the trash from the Koberger family residence located in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. That evidence was sent to the Idaho State Lab for testing. On December 28, 2022, the Idaho State Lab reported that a DNA profile obtained from the trash and the DNA profile obtained from the sheath identify a male as not being excluded as the biological father of the suspect's profile. When contacted by CBS News, knife maker K.A. Barr said the description matches one of their sheaths. They had no purchase records from Brian Koberger or his parents, Michael Koberger or Marianne Koberger. And just to clarify that last statement about um, CBS News contacting the knife maker K.A. Barr, that was not in the affidavit. That was research that we had done that we just wanted to throw in there because we found it interesting. Yeah, we've... and. I would just like to point out really quickly as we're talking about the knife, mm-hmm. the fact that the U.S. Marine Corps, it had to have been given to them if they had not bought this knife from, you I know, mean, the, it, the company it seems... itself. It's, it appears this is yes. complete speculation and theories from our part, but I don't know how else you would get a U.S. Marine SEAL knife, like in a knife that seems to be more of a military based type especially of knife. if that company has no record of purchase from any location exactly from any of those family members so yes just kind of a thought so we know there was a lot of information <laughs> kind of thrown at you at once so we just wanted to break it down a little bit and give our key takeaways from reading through it so one thing that i found intriguing was that he like in his undergrad was studying like cloud-based forensics which i had never heard of i've never heard of either so we wanted to look up what it was and basically cloud forensic refers to the use of forensic techniques to investigate cloud environments so when unlawful or criminal behavior has occurred using the cloud as a medium cloud forensics experts use their skills and knowledge to detect the individual or group responsible so it's basically more of it Mm -hmm. security is what it is and i definitely think that's very interesting that his undergrad was in both psychology yeah and it's like, definitely interesting. I mean, and when I like when I heard that like he was studying forensics and like criminology, like I would not have guessed it was on the IT side of things. No. And again, going back to like way in the beginning when we said like he's almost sloppy, it's like if you're studying particularly IT yes. things, why are you doing the cell phone records? Like why was your phone pinged back to their location like the morning Absolutely. after the crime and like days prior? But then like going back to the cell phone thing, it also reiterated in there that like he, he had probably turned, turned his phone it, off. Yeah, so it was turned off from what like two a.m. to like four, like something, something like that. Yeah, and I mean we just read it, but he had that, so it wouldn't be directly located. But during that time, that's still so suspicious. Why? I mean, it's almost more incriminating to just have it turned off for like two hours, absolutely. especially over the hours of the crime, and then turn it back on after. Which yeah. I don't know. That's also very... And another thing that, like, kind of kind of stuck out to me was the fact that, like, he was doing an internship with the Pullman Police Department. Absolutely. And applied... I, it just... And it's not even like it was, like, way prior. It was literally in, fall of 2022. In, like in it November was of 2022. That semester. Which that also is so crazy to me. It's just... I, I watch way too many crime shows. Like, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a crime junkie. I will sit and, like, binge watch crime shows. But, like... Doesn't it make you wonder, like, if he almost wanted, like, the ends of the police department That's, to know no, what was going on I in the absolute, case? Like, it just makes you think. No, it definitely does. And I know that this is pure speculation once again. But, I mean, 
come on <laughs> i know it does it does make you think like you know it it it'd be kind of like cool if it worked out not I, cool if it worked out nothing about this is cool no, obviously no. but it would be kind of crazy if like he really did just do that internship just All, to get insights on the case knowing that those police departments are so close and we're like working together to, yeah i don't and know it's just wild to me it's definitely it's crazy i mean it was just so much to unpack and to everything about this case is crazy no it's like, insane it's <laughs> <laughs> like i feel like we tried to cover everything and like get through a lot in like a decent amount of time we try not to make it too long and like yeah you know point out like key points but i know that we definitely are gonna try and do a follow-up yes, episode at, during the trial or after the trial yeah like sure. once the verdict comes out and they start releasing those documents we are going to get so much key information and so many questions are yes, hopefully going, going to be, be answered. answered that we have. Like at this point, I don't see him getting exonerated. I don't know because if there's DNA linking him to the crime, I just don't see any way that he can get I mean, out of this I mean, he was made a huge alibi for the phone pings and I yeah. mean, everything of that sort as well. So yeah, and he, he definitely cannot use the, um, criminally insane no. like he's a phd student no so like this sir is not, not going gonna to happen and the fact that he was studying psychology as well right. also is just scary i think because and it's he, so funny to me that like he he waived his rights to be yeah. extradited so because he's like i want to get back to idaho and clear my name i'm like i know you have some idea of the evidence they have against oh, you yeah. so it's like i hope he doesn't i hope they don't give him a plea deal in a in no. such a high stakes case like this i I don't I mean, see a, him giving with a, a plea quadruple deal. quadruple homicide. The only plea I could see him doing is if they do push for the death penalty. And then I would, could see yeah. them getting life. Yeah. But I don't know. I, That's all something we are going to... Oh, and one, um, more, one more final thought before we go. Um, I had saw an interview done with um, Kaylee's dad. And, you know, the reporter was asking... How do you, like, what are you looking for justice-wise? And um, her mom basically said, I'm glad we live in the state of Idaho, referring to Idaho has the death penalty. Um, and so they kind of, like, put their stance out there on that. I don't know where the other parents of the victims stand, yeah. but it, for them, he did make it pretty clear that, like, they do want the death penalty. He even made a statement saying, like, you know, God plays the role of taking lives and putting lives into this world. Yeah. And if you want to play God, you can go talk to him yourself. Absolutely. Which yeah. I thought was a very powerful statement. I mean, it just, it just, again, goes to show that emotion These that poor they're families feeling. that yeah. do not deserve any of this. These students did not deserve any of this. But I definitely think in court, if they can say that and truly move the judge or the jury, like, yes, I think that will also be key into making sure that the, there is no plea for him just to get life. Yes. And I think, I think the jury, like, you're not going to find someone who's like not heard anything about this case because it was so public. Which is what makes it so, which will take so much time before the trial can even begin because of that. Right. And I feel like though, to some extent, I know jurors can't be biased, but like, I'll be real. I'll be real. If it were me, (laughs) like, I would not be giving that guy any, until I hear his side of the story, I guess. Yeah. But, like, I would be giving him no remorse. Like, no sane and non-evil person would ever do anything like that. So, I don't know. That's just yeah. me. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, it definitely, I think, would be so hard to be. It'd be very especially hard to be Especially in, in this case when you know publicly so much about it. Yeah. How you could even 
I mean... I think that's part of the reason, again, why they didn't release that information. Absolutely. Because they're trying to keep it as... As much as it's not low profile, they're trying to keep it, like, as they're secretive with, yes. and, like, protect it yes. as much as they can to, fi- to like, Which find Which I totally yours. understand, yeah. So... But- Stay tuned. We hope you guys enjoyed. Um, we are continuing to send prayers and thoughts to everyone involved in this tragic and terrible situation. Yes. And we think also we want to recognize that the law enforcement that has been mm-hmm. working to be able to help this fam- these families and these people receive justice. We thank all of you and we are praying for everyone. So we- hopefully we'll have another episode for you guys soon. And, and- I think thank that's you. It. Bye. <laughs>